You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palpocyclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Welcome to Hello Somebody, a production of the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartMedia, where we rage against the machine, where we raise our voices against injustice and stand up for justice, where we embrace hope and joy with an optimism for a brighter, more just future. Each week, I'll be dropping knowledge, whether it's a solo episode from me or a hearty discussion with esteemed guests doing great things in spaces and places of politics, entertainment, social justice, and beyond. We get real, baby. I mean, really real. We get honest. We get up close and personal for you. Yes, you. Because everybody is somebody. Before we begin, I want to give a special shout out to my team. Thank you, Sim. Tiffany, Sam, and the team over at Good Juju Studios, Erica England, Pepper Chambers, the hot one, and my social media team. Hello, somebody. 
Oh, do I got a treat for you today. I have the honor of speaking with my friend, the Jim Hightower. He is a notable national radio commentator, dynamic public speaker, a New York Times best-selling author, and he has spent four decades, yes, four decades of his life fighting for equal rights and fair treatment for working families, small businesses, and just plain folks. Please help me welcome to the show the one and the only Jim Hightower. So excited to have one of the best activists I know on the planet, and that is Jim Hightower, who I fondly call Hightower. It's been a while since we've been together. Welcome to Hello Somebody. So glad to have you. Too long it's been, uh, but you've been busy, uh, still uh, agitating uh, like crazy and uh, driving the movement forward. Make the movement move. That's it. Just a little bit. I mean, what is a movement leader but for agitation? There you go. You're not much of a movement leader if you're not agitating somebody, aggravating, agitating, stirring up. It's better. You don't want to just get agitated. You, you've you got to get to agitating. That's right. <laughs> that, that, that puts it back in their face. That's right. That's it. I'm, I'm all for it. So, oh, my God, just so wonderful to be reconnected with you. I want to start with a saying from your dad. I'm sure your dad had many sayings because you are so full of sayings. And you are known for it. How you wrap those words around to help people try to understand complex issues. And you you make me laugh. You make a lot of people laugh. And you 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 serious as a heart attack, but it's the way you say what you say that has uh, a lot of heart, but it also has an element of humor to it as well. So your father, W.F. Hightower, he told you once, everybody does better when everybody does better. You use your dad's quote for the lowdown. Right, right. Yeah. Yes, uh, my father did not know he had a political philosophy. <laughs> uh, he was a child of the, of the New Deal, of the Depression. Uh, he and my mother started a little business up in Denison, Texas, and uh, he did have a political philosophy, and that's the way he expressed it, uh, that we're all in this together, and that that's the, the best economy is when everybody is doing better. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And your newsletter, the the lowdown, I mean, you really break down really complex issues in a way to help everybody understand. What really got you into the into the agitation market? You know, you served as an elected official in Texas, uh, leading the agricultural department in that great state, which is a really big deal. I mean, your role was more important than the governor's, I would say, in Texas. It's a really, really big deal. But even before you became the honorable Jim Hightower, uh, what motivated you to be engaged and to, to get involved? Well, it was uh, two big things. And uh, fundamentally, uh, it was uh, truth uh, coming as a uh, graduating in, uh, from high school in 1961. Uh, you know, in, in that period, uh, I went to a, a totally segregated school all the way through uh, high school. And where uh, were you? Where was your school? It's a town called Denison, Texas, north of Dallas, right on the Oklahoma border. We were first line of defense against the Okies there, as they tried to come across. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's, it was the realization uh, that we had been lied to all those years about race. Uh, and uh, that uh, then I went to North Texas uh, University, University of North Texas, uh, 
you know, just 70 miles away from that town, uh, closer to Dallas. Uh, and it had integrated in 1954, this college had. And so I sat next to uh, black kids from Denison, Texas, <laughs> whom I had never known. For the first time. Yeah, yeah. In 18 years, I had known them. Uh, I mean, I, I, by then, I knew what, what was going on. Uh, but then that was one reason I went to North Texas was it was going to be a, a richer experience than totally segregated uh, other state schools. Uh, so that that was number one, the big lie uh, about race uh, and who we are and who we might be. So I was involved in the uh, civil rights movement, the early days of the civil rights movement here in here in Texas. So the uh, movie theaters were still segregated in in this college town that, that I was going in, into, and et cetera. Uh, and this was and in the 60s and the 70s? Early 60s. Early 60s. 60, 64. And, uh, and then toward the end of that, uh, my college period, that would have been, I graduated in 65, uh, here came the Vietnam War. Uh, another big lie. Yes. Uh, and uh, and so I uh, so I, I became a part of, of that, too. So basically, uh, I, I saw that we truly are all in this together uh, and that these two things are connected. Uh, racism, uh, the war, uh, poverty, uh, you know, at that time, uh, you know, the Voting Rights Act was being passed, uh, the John Lewis Act and Lyndon Johnson, uh, who. I spent my youth trying to get Lyndon Johnson out of office because of uh, Vietnam, uh, not realizing he would be the most progressive president in my lifetime. <laughs> he definitely was a force of nature, notwithstanding his uh, personal beliefs and leanings, you know, known to use the N-word and, and that kind of thing, and the son of the South. But he really did will power in a way that caused the, I mean, he is the reason why, along with other people, I mean, when I say he's the reason why, I mean from a presidential standpoint, but we know that the civil rights activists themselves, like the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and 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 so many others, uh, John Lewis and Stoke the Stokely, a lot of folks, you know, whether they were the younger people or the or or the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who by the way was young. I mean, when we look about look at him and talk about him, we talk about him as if he was older, but he actually entered the movement when he was twenty six years old and was killed. When he was 38 years old, so we can't lose sight of that. Going back to what you were saying about Lyndon Baines Johnson, an unlikely ally, even if history forced him to be, to get the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act passed under his watch. And he had to twist a whole lot of arms, Hightower, as we know, to get that done. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the important thing about uh, Johnson, he, he, was, he knew how to use power. Yes, he did. Uh, he knew about power. But then he discovered that you've got to decide who you're going to use power for. <laughs> what does it matter? Uh, a lot of people exercise power, mostly in bad ways. Uh, so it came upon him, uh, a, a dawning, and a going back to his uh, origins, too, because he was a school teacher when he graduated from uh, yes, he was. down the road from where I am, uh, and school teacher in a, uh, a majority uh, Mexican-American. Uh, community, and he saw their poverty up close, and he saw racism uh, up close. So it's not, it wasn't just an academic understanding, uh, though he did sublimate that in his early years. But then 
when, when push came to shove, which it usually does, uh, uh, there it was. And, and he, he made the right decision. Uh, and, and that, that taught me a lot about politics. Uh, and I was at the time working for, uh, Ralph Yarborough, a U.S. Senator. Uh, from Texas uh, in his Washington office and a very progressive, the last true progressive Texas uh, sent to Washington uh, to the Senate. And so I, I saw him stand up uh, for farm workers, uh, stand up for working people generally, uh, stand up uh, for uh, consumers and even the environment, which was early days of, of that movement. Uh, and then finally stand up against the war uh, and stand up against Lyndon Johnson uh, even. Yes. so. Uh, so I, I, I saw that real politics uh, is a willingness to lose <laughs> your political office. Uh, that is so at, true. At the uh, benefit of uh, actually helping the people who really need help. How about that? We need to, we, you know, some of these electeds need to really take heed to that lesson today. I want to go back to a point that you made about when push comes to shove. Let's talk about the pushing and shoving that we see right now in 2021. Uh, we need some pushers and some shovers, and we do need, to the point you made earlier, people who are elected to office on all levels of government, but particularly on the federal level of government, who are not afraid to lose because they are doing the right thing. And I think we are in an environment overall, not every politician, but far too many politicians answer to the biggest moneyed interests in this country. And they forget about the folks in the neighborhoods or the, in the hood uh, across this country. What are some of the things that come to mind for you when we think about what needs to be pushed and shoved right now in this moment? Well, some of the same things, of course. I mean, racism, we're uh, doing a better job these days uh, than we've done in the past, still not uh, near enough, but nonetheless, uh, there is a facing up uh, to it, and there's, of course, a backlash to that. Uh, but again, uh, that's uh, you, you've got to choose the old saying, whose side are you on? Uh, and you need to decide that uh, as a politician. To be, uh, to, to be a worthy office holder, uh, you need to uh, – you, you can't say I'm for everybody. That's, I, I can't tell you the number of politicians I've heard say, oh, well, yes, I, but I, I want to help everybody. Well, no, you don't. Uh, you want to help your moneyed interests, but that's going to hurt your labor interests. That's going to hurt the environment, the consumer, the farmers, you know, et cetera. You got to decide uh, uh, which side you're on and then to be willing to, uh, to use that power for the benefit of those that, uh, that you're actually trying to serve. Uh, and, Again, I saw uh, people like uh, Ralph Yarborough and I, then people like Ralph Nader coming along, of course, Martin Luther King uh, Jr., Cesar Chavez, you know, so many people in, in those 60s period uh, that were taking uh, these stands. And that's where I wanted to be. You know, it's, it's not holding an office is easy. <laughs> uh, and, and particularly if you, if you go along to, to get, get along. along. Yeah. And, uh, with the money it interests, because uh, then the money will come your way. Uh, but it's unworthy of you <laughs> at some point. You could, I mean, why are you in that office? You should be using that office. Uh, not uh, there's, there's a term here in the Texas legislature for legislators who don't do anything. And they're they're called furniture. 
<laughs> just a piece of legislative furniture. They're sitting there. Uh, and so, you know, I, I wanted to be an activist and uh, had the chance down the road to, to run for office. And, uh, and we literally, when I was elected to Texas Agriculture Commissioner, uh, my key supporters and I had a little getaway uh, in which we uh, spent a, a, a week or so, you know, just literally writing down who is it we want to help. Uh, we've got four years, you know, in office, and then I could run again, but who knows if you're going to get there. So I told them, we're going to have four years. Uh, so do your damnedest in these four years. Who do we want to help? What could we possibly do to help those people? <laughs> and then who's that going to piss off? And, and how do we have, how do we get to, to fight that? Uh, how about and, that? More policy, you know, it's a pretty simple little <laughs> set of three uh, uh, steps there uh, that uh, that every politician should should really take. Uh, but it really is important, I think, you know, you, you know so well as to know yourself and know why you're going through all this. Politics is not a natural act to me. I mean, you, you're a, a natural public speaker and personality. I am, too. Yes, uh, you are. But uh but the the act of then putting that out there uh is uh, is uh, pretty daunting uh in, in terms of the abuse that you take uh, in terms of the abuse that your family gets uh just in terms of time and stress and uh general agony but then also there's so much richness that comes out out of it so you you've got to uh you, you've got to make all that worthwhile you do i mean being able to hold power and then use power for a collective good. And I love how you said you and your team, y'all did a, the great getaway. And the getaway was to collect yourself and your thoughts and plot out what your mission and be very clear about the direction that you wanted to go into and who you were serving, which is, is so vitally important. Uh, it was important then and it still is important today. I want to talk about the, the work in families. You know, so many people, Hightower, are working so hard to make ends meet. COVID certainly has exacerbated the struggles that uh, we, the people, were already facing. So if you were living in poverty before the pandemic, you're still living in poverty. If you were catching hell before the pandemic, most likely you're still catching hell. If you had environmental crises in your community, whether it's flooding or wildfires before the pandemic, you still have those types of crises. What is it about right now in this moment that either compels politicians to be bold or repels them from just not doing a damn thing on behalf of the people who are suffering the most. Well, it's fundamentally, I think, uh, you know, the, the, the same old thing uh, that it's been from the very start. It's, it's power. Uh, you're, you're compelled to use power for the benefit of others or you're repelled from using power. Uh, to benefit the people, uh, because it could endanger your uh, your holding of, of of that office, and that leads, or it lead at me anyway, and I know it leads you to uh, to try to figure out uh, again uh, what you could do for people, working people, uh, for example. They're facing the exact same power working people have faced from the very start, uh, which is they don't have any power That's uh, right. individually, and the bosses have all. The power, and I did. Uh, you mentioned the high tower lowdown, my monthly newsletter, and the last issue I I did 
one because, you know, the, the establishment tells us, well, America is not a union country. Uh, we're, we're too individualistic. So unions have never had any cachet here. Uh, they, they don't amount to much. But then I pointed out uh, that they seem to have missed something uh, that happened in 1619, which was called the Jamestown Craftsman Strike uh, and the first English settlement. Uh, in this country was in in, uh, in early 1600s in Jamestown, Virginia, and it was to be a, a resource expo- exploitation uh, program lun- led by the London Company, a chartered corporation uh, from England, uh, to come get timber and stuff like that and export materials. Uh, and so they took over a stretch of America, uh, apparently uh, not noticing that it was occupied at the time by Native Americans. But that that minor detail, yeah, right. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, they were a, an abysmal failure as a business uh, because these were sort of noblemen uh, who had uh, wanted to go on an adventure. And none of them knew how to work. They didn't have any skills. <laughs> and so they were not able to make soap, not able to, to cut timber, you know, to do any of the things that had to be done. And then uh, one of them uh, knew he, he had been an adventurer himself, uh, but knew that Poland uh, had these what amounted to indentured servants uh, in, in their country. Uh, who were very skilled workers and that they could be had for a pittance uh, to come over. And they imported 11 of these Polish workers uh, who indeed knew what they were doing. They built the economy up and within about 10 years, uh, the, the, the uh, colony was, was doing okay. And at that point, the king decided, well, okay, then we'll let them form a, a house of commons, the house of Burgesses, it was called in Virginia. Uh, and, and they can elect their own uh, local representative. But they, of course, excluded uh, to, to, to vote, much less to hold office. You had to, one, be a male. You had to be an Englishman uh, and you had to own property. Yes. Uh, so they thought, well, that's fine. Uh, we'll just have this little, little uh, representative body. Uh, but then they were shocked and amazed. I mean, just open mouth because these 11 Polish workers stood up and said, uh, no vote, no work. <laughs> they had a strike. The first strike in America was in 1619. And the, uh, the colonists, uh, as well as the, the king and the corporation in London, knew they were in a pinch because they couldn't run anything over here. So they had to give into it. And so they declared these 11 to be Englishmen <laughs> for, for the purpose of, of voting at that time. But the point is that we have been a union country from the very start. Uh, and, and our history doesn't record that. There is not a plaque in Jamestown, Virginia today celebrating this strike, uh, even though it was a monumental uh, for, for our country. And then that carries forward to today because there's now been a rebellion against that. The, the pandemic, as, as you mentioned, uh, has been devastating for so many uh, working families. And then when the pandemic eased for a while, uh, they still weren't doing well. The working families weren't. Uh, and a number of them, uh, millions, in fact, decided, well, you know, we have a life to live, you know, not just a job. That's uh, right. And we're not going to go back to those crappy jobs uh, where we're abused by management and abused by customers even and paid a pittance and given no respect uh, whatsoever. So we're just not going to. And another thing was happening. 
that people who had jobs were quitting <laughs> in the first uh, from April, May, June, July of, of this year, approximately four million people a year in our country had been quitting their jobs. Uh, and again, it's a, a tectonic shift of uh, people's attitude about jobs. They're unionizing. That, it's not a that's right. That's big. You know, people that's, didn't and that's get the, the other yeah. side of it is that uh, in the year 2000, say, uh, well, no, more recently, uh, as, as recently as about five years ago, the majority of the American people said they did not favor labor unions. And now two thirds of them say, yes, we favor labor unions. And get this, 45% of Republicans say they favor. What a shift. Unions. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. everybody, it is. I mean, when we think about it, when we peel back the partisan labels that only benefit the people who want to be partisans and keep people separated. If you don't mention who's the Democrat and who's the Republican for the most part, and yes, they are outliers, certainly. But when you just talk about the issues, do you think it's fair to have paid family medical leave? Do you think it's fair to be able to take a vacation? Do you think it's fair to be able to be paid a living wage? We're going to start with $15 an hour, but by all rights, according to economists, it would be closer to $25 an hour had it kept up with inflation or productivity. Is it fair or would you like to see a nation where your health care was not commodified and tied to your job? Would you like to live in a nation where women can earn their whole damn dollar? Would you like to live in a nation where we invest in uh, the soft infrastructure, which I'm glad to see this administration making some some uh, moves uh, towards that effort. But time and time again, Commissioner Hightower, when you just stick to the issues themselves and you peel back the layers that divide us, most Americans are exactly where people like you are, people like me are. They are right there because what is the common denominator, whether you are black or white, no matter what your religious affiliation gender affiliation, no matter how you identify, most people just want to live a good life. Right. And, it's, you know, Jesse Jackson said it well, uh, that uh, we might not all have come over on the same boat, but yes. we're on the same boat now. Same <laughs> boat now. Amen that is to a that. powerful political uh, reality uh, yes. that, that, that touches people to, to recognize that. Uh, and uh, and that the good news is that that is happening, uh, d- despite the, the right wing resurgence that gets so much of, of the media attention, it's no more than 30% of, of the That's right. people. Uh, and, and so, you know, here I am in the state of Texas, uh, almost weird, weirder than what you cannot get. Uh, it's called suppressing the vote, but it really is vote theft. They're stealing the vote. Suppression is too kind of a word, I think. They are stealing the vote. And again, we're all in this together. It comes out as, uh, as an attack on black people, and it certainly is. Uh, also, Latin America, people of color generally, but it's also an attack on old people. It is an attack on uh, people with disabilities. That's right. Uh, it Young is an people. on students. Students, yeah. yes. Uh, and, absolutely. And, uh, and rural people who don't have easy access. So it was all of us, actually. Yeah, there you go. You know, yeah. <laughs> you add all that up, that's sort of it's America. A whole, it's a whole <laughs> bunch of people. And, you know, I love that. And I'm going to borrow that and, and give you, certainly give you credit, but it is vote theft. And people want to talk about uh, the integrity. You know, I was just having this conversation a couple of days ago. Let's talk about voter integrity. Let's talk about integrity in our system. There's a lack of integrity 
for Republican leaders across this country to do everything in their power to make it harder for people to vote. Let's have a conversation about voter integrity. Yeah. You know, and Absolutely. we, yeah. we, we got to turn it around on, on these yeah. folks and yes. stop allowing them to win the, I, I hate to call it a war, but they are very good at the frame. Right. And, right. and, and you're very good at it too. I mean, you really put it in a very folksy way. And I think more conscious minded people, and I deliberately said conscious minded people and didn't make this about Democrat or Republican. Although we know when we get down to the raw power, we have two political parties and uh, both of them are controlled by the corporatists, but but I digressed here. This really is about are you conscious minded or not? You know, and, and back to how we started this conversation, whose side are you on? Is it right or is it wrong to put up roadblocks and barriers to keep people from participating in this republic, in this, uh, you know, what we would call a representative democracy? Is it more robust when more people from different backgrounds and different walks of life actually participate? Or are we just going to let the dominant power class continue to decide who gets the lead and who does not? Who gets the benefits of the tax codes and who do not? Who gets to have clean water, clean air and clean food and who do not? I mean, that really is what this is coming down to. And Hightower, I saw it so clearly. I mean, certainly we saw it as you and I both were and still are supporters of Senator Bernard Sanders, who shook the foundation of the political establishment in 2015 when he declared his candidacy and he's still shaking that foundation along with others of us um, even to this day. But just as recent as my race, I saw up close and personal, even more personal because my name was on the ballot, what the moneyed interests are willing to do to hold on to power. So how do we have to, in the face of that, because we know that for many across this country, my race was it. You know, it really, you know, I was able to galvanize the progressive movement in a similar way that Senator Sanders was. That movement showed so much love and people from all across the country. I mean, we raised money in every single state, plus the District of Columbia, volunteers coming in from all over the country. And people were crushed. If they could do this to Nina Turner, if they do this to S&T, then where's the hope for the rest of us? So I'm just using myself in this recent, my recent run as an example to paint a larger picture. What would you say to people both in our movement and then people who are just conscious minded? They just want to see the right things done. They want, they do really want to see justice for all. What would you say to people who are just really um, giving up? And when they look at what happened to me, when they also look at what happened to Senator Sanders and other progressives who get on the ballot and see that Democrats, the corporate Democrats are more concerned with crushing the progressive movement than they are with fighting the Republicans. How do we encourage people to continue to fight and to continue to believe that we are indeed on the winning side, even though we might not win uh, every single battle? Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant. Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. 
Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palpocyclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Well, we got to uh, persevere, basically. You know, uh, Willie Nelson put it to me once. He said, uh, I tell you, the, the early bird might get the worm, but it's the second mouse that gets the cheese. So <laughs> you might need to pencil that out for some people. <laughs> In other <laughs> but, words, so, the first mouse is paving the way. Yes, the exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. and, and that's how movements are, are built. Uh, you know, the, the, the women's suffrage movement, uh, the, the three ladies who were the icons of that starting in the 1840s and 30s and 40s, uh, none of them lived to vote. You know, they, they never got to cast a ballot uh, in 70 some odd years before uh, that amendment uh, was passed, allowing uh, the women's vote. Uh, so but it doesn't have to be 70 years for every uh, single issue. And we are making uh, progress. Uh, yes, they came hard at you because you were a particular symbol uh, of of progressive truth for the same reason. They came hard at uh, Bernie uh, Sanders. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we've got uh, the, uh, the the new members of Congress who are coming in, uh, who are very overtly uh, progressive and in the face of of corporate power and in the face just a tangible example of the corporate democrats is that here we are with the chance to uh, uh to change the tax laws of this country in in a way uh that would uh 
tax wealth rather than income, which means you would go after Elon Musk and uh, Jeff Bezos and those billionaires uh, who are out there frittering uh, money away uh, and, and earning the money in, uh, in decent ways uh, in many cases. So that instead of that, the corporate Democrats say, well, let's just try to increase some taxes on rich people, the level of taxes on rich people. Well, that won't, that won't touch wealth. That's so the right. difference between wealth and income is extraordinary. Uh, let me just give you one little example. Of, uh, it, it, the difference between being a millionaire, uh, which Mark Twain once said uh, that uh, I'm against millionaires, but it would be dangerous to offer me the position. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so you think a millionaire is a rich person, and indeed a millionaire is. Uh, but the difference between a millionaire and a billionaire is extraordinary. If you think of it in not in dollars, but in seconds, uh, a million seconds adds up to about 11 days of life. A billion seconds adds up to 31 years of life. <laughs> so oh God. so that, that's, that's where the money is going, uh, just yeah. concentrated in massive amounts, trainloads of, of wealth going to the top uh, and yeah. taken out of the pockets of, of the workaday uh, people. So we have to recognize uh, that we're in the fight for the long haul, that we're winning many, many battles, uh, uh, actually winning, uh, and that, that we are, uh, that people are fundamentally on our side. And you're right that we have got to find better ways, uh, more likable ways to deliver our message uh, to those who are not partisan or are not activists, uh, but agree with us. Because most people I don't do not identify. I mean, study after study, survey after survey, I should say, shows that most Americans, especially the millennials and younger disease, they do not identify with either of the political parties. The largest party, and I put that in air quotes, are the unaffiliated voters. And that's that who we obviously have to have to reach. Uh, and they certainly are reachable because they're 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 suffering a lot of these millennials and Zoomers, as, as they've been dubbed uh, and now, young, young people, uh, they're suffering. Uh, they're coming into a society and an economy. Uh, There's uh, mass inequality uh, or the American dream is, is not even dreamable, much less achievable, no. uh, you know, et cetera. So, so they're willing to go to work uh, to achieve some of that. But it's got to be honest. And that's what I mean. That, that's why you have to have one party at least. Uh, uh, and I would hope it would be our Democratic Party that would stand and up both. and say, we're going to tax wealth. Yes. Jeff Bezos is going to pay his fair share. Uh, that's right. Not just going to shoot up into space. <laughs> I, I'm telling I, you, you know, I, I didn't mind him taking that space trip. I just minded him coming back. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard that a lot. You know what I've been saying to add to that is Jesus, please don't let them get up there too and start monking that up as well. Yeah, Just go stay on down here on earth. Please do not take that up in space and mess up the good thing that these other planets may have going on. Um, This is serious, serious business. And I just, and the way you just outline, I just, you know, as we are uh, closing up this conversation and we're going to have many, many others, you are certainly one of the greats. And I am honored to be able to call you friend and ally. 
And as uh, our dear friend Michael Render, aka Killer Mike, would say, oh, yeah. a co-conspirator. There because, you go. Uh, that's a whole nother level, baby. When you get right. a co-conspirator, ally yeah. is one thing. Co-conspirating yeah. is is indeed it's another. Serious. That's serious. That's life or death, baby. That you know, and and not necessarily physical death. Yeah, right. Although we know over the course of history. Uh, that mm-hmm. has happened um, uh, because people were willing and did put life, physical life uh, on the line for what they believed in. But let's just go back to that point. I just cannot let that go. The difference between a millionaire and a billionaire. And you, you got me to thinking because I know some working millionaires. You know, I know people yeah, right. who are associates exactly. of mine who work their way up you know, worked different public sector jobs or even maybe some right. private sector jobs because everybody in the private sector, they they work too. I often say that unless you got a trust fund, you you a working person. Now, some of us are in the middle of that. Some, some of us are at the bottom and some of us are at the top. But unless you got a trust fund, a sugar daddy or sugar mama, yeah. you working for a living. Right. And that is a lot of people. So I do want, you know, the folks who are on this journey with us to understand there are people who are um, millionaires, two million, one million, five million, but they worked to get that, meaning it, it, they derived it uh, at first through income and, and may have made some investments along the way, but but they worked and, and uh, you know, maybe purchased some art and things like that, but they started off purely uh, in the working class. We're not talking about people like that. Well, we are talking, and there's nothing wrong with wealth. See, I want, because Democrats, I think, sometimes get that wrong, Hightower. Listen, I was born poor. I ain't trying to die that way. Yeah. You know, been there, done that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I didn't, I ain't, I didn't go to school paying off yeah. all this debt, still yeah. paying off debt. You know, I want my son and my grandchildren to have a better start than I had. The goal is not for them to mimic my beginning. My, the goal is for their beginning to be different and their ending to be different and hell for my ending to be different. It's excess of greed that yeah. we're talking about. It's when yes. you make money off of other people's misery, whether you're being deceitful about the fact that cigarettes cause cancer, you hide that, you know, whether you're polluting the water and the air that we breathe and the food that we have to eat and you're making money off of that, whether you are too Incalcitrant to pay your workers a living wage because they help you build that multi-million dollar corporation. And then they got to beg you for $15 an hour. They too afraid to stop at a restroom along the way. So they're relieving themselves in the trucks as they deliver Christmas and, and all other kinds of things in the heat of COVID. See, that's the kind of stuff that we are talking about. And we got to tease that out more. There's nothing wrong with wealth, but excessive greed off of the backs and necks and lives and livelihoods of people is immoral. And the federal government must step in and be the referee of this and stop letting these folks buy politicians. It is legal, Hightower, to bribe politicians in the United (laughs) States of America. Hello, somebody. If we go back to that, because I just want to I want people to just imagine what you were just saying. I want them to close their eyes and really concentrate on focus on that example that you just gave uh, Commissioner Hightower. So can you give it to us? One more again about the difference between a million and a billion or millions and billions, because you laid that out in a way that I had never heard anybody lay it out before. Well, well it stunned me when I, when I first uh, came, came across it. Uh, but yes, uh, if you think of a, 
of a millionaire and a billionaire, not in terms of money, but in terms of seconds of uh, time, uh, a million seconds is roughly 11 days. Uh, a billion seconds is 31 years. <laughs> so quite a, quite a bit of difference of, of what you accumulate uh, as a billionaire versus a billionaire. But, you know, it comes down, you know, you're right on target uh, to a simple the core political reality, I think, of America from the very start uh, has, comes down to this. So too few people control too much of the money and power, and they then use that control to get more money and power at our expense. Uh, that's the fight we're in. Uh, I, I don't want to make them poor, <laughs> but, I, but I do want to make them human. <laughs> I do right. want to make them down here on earth. Uh, with with the rest of us. And and that's the great failure of what the Republicans are doing because they're passing nonsense stuff, uh, bullshit, frankly, that American people don't really care anything about. Uh, you know, what bathroom you go to, uh, you know, are, are you going to have control of your, your own baby or not? Uh, you know, it, you know all, all these kind of things uh, that, that, they're, that they're doing, uh, Americans care about just what you were itemizing there, childcare, getting a decent education, having access to home ownership. You want to build wealth, home ownership builds wealth. Uh, You know, that's, that's the the money I have is because this house I'm sitting in, I've been here for 40 something years. I paid like $20,000 for it. And now it's half a million dollars. I didn't do anything. Uh, And and I can't, I can't spend that of course, because I'd have to sell the house. Uh, to do that, and then then I could uh, build a house out of five hundred million. I guess I don't know. <laughs> but most people's wealth, that's how most American. Your biggest debt is is also your biggest asset, and that's why you know during the Great Recession, it, it really hurt a lot of people, and especially if you're already at the bottom rung already, and using again the African American community is always the canary in the coal mine. Over fifty percent of Black wealth was lost. Because of that great recession, others lost wealth too, no doubt about it, especially the African-American community that's usually always behind on that anyway. And depending on where your home is, you know, speaking of home ownership uh, in in most communities that are African-American or of color, depending on where your homes are, is undervalued in the first place. And we see that that's a systemic challenge and problem that we must deal with. But to your larger point that you are making that wealth itself we got to we got to understand that not only taxing the ultra wealthy in this country but understanding that people are not going to get said wealth uh just through income and and i would like to broaden what we call wealth I don't know if I want to call it natural wealth, extraordinary. And I don't mean extraordinary wealth in that you are ultra, ultra wealthy off of the backs of people. But when I think about wealth, I think about health of body, soul, mind and spirit of community, of work, of purpose. All of those things are beautiful. The good news is that that's part of the rebellion against work that is taking place right now. Because everybody wants to work at a job that matters at a job that is rewarding, at a job that is creative, uh, that is respected, you know, but just having a job, uh, you know, again, Jesse Jackson said slaves had jobs. <laughs> uh, True that. You know, that's not what we're talking about. We're, we're talking about decency uh, that's and, right. and possibilities uh, out there. And, and that's what's being taken 
away by the powers that be. Uh, again, uh, in my high tire lowdown on the piece we did about ExxonMobil locking out workers down in uh, Beaumont, Texas, at the largest refinery that Exxon has in North America. Uh, they've been locked out since May the 1st, meaning they don't have any income. They don't have health care, you know, et cetera, but for all those, all those months. Uh, and they're being locked out, not because they were asking for too much. Their contract was up for renewal. They were not asking for more money. They were not asking for greater benefits. They were asking for greater safety precautions in a petroleum factory, which is uh, inherently explosive. <laughs> in fact, two workers had died there in 2013 in an, in an explosion. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's not only reasonable, it should be just a given that, that you get that kind of protection. But instead, the management of ExxonMobil says, no, uh, we're going to lock you out because we're not going to give you extra uh, protection. Now, this is coming from the CEO. Uh, the last four years that he's been CEO, uh, has taken $75 million in personal pay uh, from ExxonMobil, but oh, he God. won't let Exxon invest a pittance of money of the billions of dollars that it makes uh, every single year, a pittance of money into making sure that the plant doesn't explode again and kill, kill those workers. So that's, that's what I mean by disrespect. <laughs> yeah. You don't matter is what that says. That's exactly right. And not just the workers of that plant, but think about the community, the larger environment itself. And and that's being a monster. I mean, that is cruel and unusual punishment and it should be unacceptable. And that's where government comes in to be the referee and to call the files. That is a file. You're out of here. You're going to be penalized. You know, we need some referees. You will be penalized, baby, even out of business if we have to. You know, but what kind of monster must you be in human form? You know, we, we need a, we need kindergarten teachers to be in every corporate boardroom. To yes. say, uh-uh, no, 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 not going to do that. Not going to do it. Not allowed. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you in time out, baby. You in time yeah, right. out till you, yeah, till, you, right. till you understand how to treat folks. Yeah, you know, don't come out of that corner. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we need kindergarten teachers. We need Southern grandmamas. There you go. <laughs> they get they get them whipped up in the shape real, <laughs> real quick, fast, in a hurry. Well, Jim Hightower the Great, it is such a pleasure to a joy to, to be with you today. We are absolutely going to do this again. The hope and okay. the promise, and people being treated decent. Man, I want a word even better. I mean, just. People yeah. want to live a good life. How about that? Can can that can that happen? <laughs> yeah, life, right. liberty, and everybody's pursuit of happiness. Everybody. How about that? <laughs> That's great. That's oh great. my God! That's why you're so great. And uh, oh, happy happy to be you. with you. And uh, and look, I hear you're coming to Texas. So let's uh, team up and. Uh, oh, we are gonna team up. High time. I wouldn't dream of okay. coming to the great state of Texas without without being uh, by your side. So we're gonna get that. Uh, together, I'm going to be doing this tour, and uh, I, I think I'm going to hit Texas late October. Uh, yeah, late October is what I'm going to shoot for early November. But we're going we're going to get this done. So I'll be in right. touch. My team will be in touch with you. my people. Will be in touch with your people because <laughs> okay. there are people. There are. We're all together. Okay. We're all together. Much love to you, Jim Thank Hightower, you so much. Right the great commissioner, Jim Hightower. Everybody, hello, somebody.
is coming, the pain is numbing. Try to shoot for the stars if you gon' aim for something. Embrace the love for your brother and sister. Unity's the missing brush, we need to puzzle this picture. Let's paint it up, frame it up, for the world to see. Hang the hatred up. Enough is enough, is enough, making changes on us. In Turner, her voice is the truth, her wise words inspire the youth to keep their eyes on the roof. It's the end, never give up, keep conquering goals. To the eye, intelligence, silver, wisdom is gold. Back to the end, now is your time, stay firm, don't fold. To the A, all you need is the three bones, that's what Granny said. Now I'ma make sure these words from Granny spread. For all of here, just give her your ear. She can take you to the promised land, I swear. World peace is what they fear. From Queens to Cleveland, Ohio, we here. Famous. Somebody is a production of iHeartRadio and the Black Effect Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.